Hello, Chillinoy Podcast. I am uh, Lucas McCrary. I'm Mindy Siegel. This is Tommy Chung. This is Mike Malcolm, and you are listening to the Chillinoy Podcast. Welcome back to the Chillinoy Podcast. I'm so appreciative of your time. My pleasure, my friend. My pleasure. Well, hey, last time we spoke, it was about a week out from your 83rd birthday. And I asked you, what do you plan to do for your birthday? And you said, well, hopefully I wake up. <laughs> yeah, we're getting, it's getting around that time. Let me see. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, we're heading toward the... We're heading for the barn again, aren't we? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, 83, it's, it, I'm starting to feel a little older now, you know. Uh, yeah. But I'm, I'm enjoying it because, you know, I'm a comedian. And when you live with a comedian, you're always smiling. <laughs> Hell yeah. Because everything is funny. If you look the way it's it's the way you look at things, mm-hmm. and if you look at things like a comedian, oh, it's it, it's uh, it's incredible. It's just so much fun. Yeah, you know, I saw a special you did on uh, Comedy Central, and I didn't, you know, I knew you performed, and I knew there was an element of comedy to you. I mean, you know, there's an element yeah. of comedy to your routine, but I had never seen you do straight up stand up. And maybe that's oh, yeah. just—is that something you like to do? I love it, love it. Do you miss it? You know, have you, have well, you been well, able you to have, do it? I, no, no, uh, no, not, not, uh, not, not, not. You know what I had to—I had to learn how to do stand up. Mm. But it's much like learning how to play the guitar. You know, you learn the tunes that you want to learn, and then then you move on. Uh, I, no, I, 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 uh, I, I took, because Cheech and I, you know, we, we were on stage for like, I think 14 years before we broke up. And then, uh, and then I had to, uh, you know, figure out what I was going to do with myself. And then I, I went and saw, uh, Dennis Miller in Vancouver. It was the New Year's Eve, 19... 19- 90, I guess it was 93. Yeah, 92. A- anyway, uh, I, I saw him live, and then it was in a small comedy club. And then I, then the, the owner said, you want to say hi to Dennis before you start? So I, I went and knocked on his dressing room door, and, and he was there. And, and, and he said to me, he says, do you still get nervous before you go on? And... Right then, I said, "Oh, I got to do this. <laughs> I got to do this." And so I watched Dennis Miller's show, and and I saw, of course, I could do this. And uh, it was the next week I went back to LA, and in fact, it was '83. I, I I mean, '93 because uh, I went on stage the day after Rodney King got whipped. Oh man! By the cops. Yeah. In fact, my first bit was about Rodney King, <laughs> and uh, it was about it was about the the cop's mother 
you know, when when the when a mother sees her son on TV, it doesn't matter why they're on TV. It's like, that's my son. That's my boy. Yeah. You know. And so I did a bit about uh, about a cop's mother being proud that her son was on TV. You know. <laughs> and uh, and I and I thought I was doing pretty good, and then. And, and then the little pause in my act. See, that was my. You you can only do five minutes. Yeah. And then and then someone yells out, "Hey, where's Cheech?" Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and it brought me. It brought it down. You know, to reality again. You know. But no, I love. I love working stand up. It's. Uh, it's a sport, you know. Yeah. And and and, and it's, you know. And there's uh, so much adrenaline going with it, and and uh, and it's and, and it's an art. It's an art form. You you, I learned. You know, I it was I didn't learn the hard way because I already had a step up, you know, and and, uh, and so I I had a manager for a heartbeat. He was the same guy that was managing Paul Reiser, and I thought you know Paul's a friend of mine, so I thought. Oh, I'll, you know, I'll go the whole route, you know, get a manager. And the first thing the manager did was get me a gig. And I told everybody, you know, I, I you know, I don't want to, head, I can't headline. I don't have enough material. And, but as soon as they heard Tommy Chong, boom, I'm a headliner. And there was nothing I could do about it because, that, you know, that, that's clubs, you know, that's their business. Mm-hmm. And so I had to do my first gig on the road. I was supposed to be headlining and I had, I had 10 minutes tops. And so they had to send all the other comics that were on earlier. They had to put fill in, fill in after I did my 10 minutes. And then, and then they had, to, we had to do two shows. And so then I'm in the, in the broom closet trying to figure write another show, write it, write another 10 minutes. You know? Right. And it was so exciting. It was yeah. God, God, it was exciting. Because there, there's nothing. It's like catch. It's like fishing, mm-hmm. you know. You're out there so long, then all of a sudden you get a tug on your line, and then, and then you get it in the boat. Oh my God, what a feeling! You know? Yeah, that's a yeah. really good uh, analogy for stand-up comedy that I've never heard before. Did you just come up with that on the spot? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Um, you know, last time we were we were speaking, you mentioned uh, when you moved to California and. You became, I think these are your own words, a beach bum. You were <laughs> doing powerlifting and riding and, uh, you know, kind of just enjoying life. Did your background in writing aid you in comedy? Uh, like, did it help out with coming up? Oh. You know? oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I had so much fun doing my st- Oh, I had so much fun. God, I mean... Because once you start writing, you know, and then, it, and, and and what it is, you you just take stuff that's happening today, you know, at that moment. And with me, Pee Wee Herman just got caught, you know, uh, playing with himself in a in a porno movie, and so I had a whole bunch of fun with with that bit, you know, and <laughs> I had so much fun, man, starting up. And 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 I and I made the mistakes, you know, that, that people people comics do, and 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 I was with a, uh, my, I guess the first real, you know, when I really got into it was in uh, Clearwater, Florida, mm. and uh, in, 
Oh, God, I forgot his name now. Ron. He's in New York now. But he had a comedy club. He was a DJ, and then he had his own comedy club. Uh, and so I was part of the, there was a, uh, about maybe five comics there, you know, and uh, of course they all wanted to see the, the legend, you know, so they'd all came out and hang, hung out. And one time, I, I don't, I guess it was near the first show or something like that, but there was a lady in the audience and I made a, a very unwise remark about her weight. <laughs> yeah, you can't. And the tell. only and the only people that reacted were the comics. <laughs> they 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 literally jumped up. And, oh, you know, like I I did the worst worst thing you could do as as a, as a comic, you know, because. You just can't comment. You have to have a, a well thought up bit that doesn't hurt people, right. you know. And, and uh, it, you know, I mean, that's why. That's why with comedy, you always have to think before you be, before you speak. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why a lot of guys with substance abuse. You know, like I remember Pat Morita. He had a drinking problem, and Pat would go out there and kill. Him. And then all of a sudden, he'd start doing the same show over again. Ah, <laughs> yeah. and, and then he'd start doing jokes that he'd already done. Mm-hmm. And then and it confused the hell out of everybody. What? Pat, you just did that joke, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, alcohol and too much drugs is, is like the curse of yeah. any comic. Yeah, of anybody, but especially comedy, you know? Sure. Tommy, can I ask you, have you, you know, you, you, the character you played, and when I was young, Tommy, I didn't know you were playing a character, like when I was a little kid and first saw uh, Cheech and Chong, my older uh, friends were watching it, and I was like, I thought you were actually that, like, oh, man, you know, that spacey, like. Yeah, no, 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 I I love that, I love that you did, but, but. That's the thing is that meeting you and actually seeing you do interviews and stuff, you're you're not that person. I totally bought. No. I mean, I totally bought your character. I guess what I'm wa- wanting to ask is, have you ever? And if this is too personal, let me know. But have you ever had issues with like substance abuse, even with cannabis? You know, like have you ever? Like, has it ever? I started to with alcohol. Yeah, it, it snuck up on me, and this is this is one of the reasons that I. I got my wife on the road with me because when you're on the road by yourself it's lonely yeah it's lonely i mean you know when cheech and i were together we had each other we had cheech you know we always had a partner mm-hmm. and we had a roadie and what but when i went out by myself oh man there's no protection and and so you're in the hotel room and there's no smoke and so i started getting into these uh the champagne you know the little champagne bottles yeah. Yeah, and without within within a, I would say a month, I started looking forward to. In fact, I started emptying it and then looking for more, you huh. know. Yeah. And then I then then I realized, dude, <laughs> you know, you're you're getting a habit. That's uh-huh. all it starts. That's right. how it starts. But the, the it was a loneliness, and and so 
I fixed that right away. You know, I got my wife on the road. The first chance I got, you know, I, I talked her into the only ways that way I could get her on the road was to say, well, you know, she says, I don't want to just sit in the dressing room. I said, well, how about if I put you in the show? And then you give her a job, man, and oh, that should take you over. And and she did. And so then, as soon as I got her on the road with me, then I was I was okay, you know. But yeah, yeah, it wouldn't it would it wouldn't take long at all, especially uh, cocaine. Yeah, you know, because uh, the good thing, the good news with Cheech and Chong, we tried cocaine one time. In fact, we went to New York for the first time. <laughs> And we were so gullible, you know, because we were so hot on the West Coast. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, you just walk out and people were cheering. But in, in New York, New York is the opposite. New York, they're not going to give you anything, no matter who you are. Right. And, and so Cheech and I, we, we did a ton of coke with, uh, you know, Belushi and, and, and the gang, you know. And we're all hanging out, and, uh, and at that time, you know, it was a, it was, the the thing to do, you know, the right, thing fairly to do. normal. Yeah. So Cheech and I walked on stage like, hey, cocky as hell. And when we walked off stage after bombing, <laughs> uh, we were arguing with each other before we got on stage. You know, you know, uh, cocaine, man. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> so it and just that was did a, not. And it that didn't put you guys in your zone, huh? No, what it did, it makes you cocky. You ah, see, yeah. it, it makes you think that you've already did. Oh, they're 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 laughing. We're so far ahead of them, you know. We, you know that. Uh, oh, we're we're so hip. Well, you've seen it with other comics, you know. Uh, unless they're like a Sam Kennison or somebody, where they they allow for the cocaine, you know, in their show, mm-hmm. and and they kind of need it, you know. But uh, we were, you know, we we had been out there long enough to develop those kind of chops, you know. Yeah. And so, and Cheech is by by nature very straight. He's um, he meditates, so he's he's uh, he was a meditator and, uh, and very very spiritual when I when I met him. And he's kind of back, almost the, the same now. Mm-hmm. You know, he he does very minimal of anything. No alcohol for sure, but but a little bit of weed, but not like me, you know. Yeah. So did you guys, when you were on the road, just because like I'm fascinated with the idea that you guys were cannabis celebrities before it was legal to be that, like, you know, uh, Snoop Dogg nowadays, he's, and I mean you too, you're, you're living in the generation where it is legal now, but you were really at the forefront, and you hear this question kind of all the time, I'm sure, but like, I guess... Did you guys like? Did you guys worry about having cannabis on you? Did you use it a lot while you were on the road? Like, or, or was it was it really just part of the act? And was it not much? Like, I don't know. You get my question. We we always worried at the wrong time. <laughs> <laughs> like, you never you never expect them to bust you, right? <laughs> one time, we're we're going up to Canada, and I had and we we we'd been on the road. And, and we're stopped off at L.A. for a minute. And I had this little cigarette case or a pen case where I carried, instead of pens, I had a couple of joints in there. And I, I, I 
distinctly remember taking the pen case out of my luggage and putting it on the dresser so I wouldn't take it with me. Well, anyway, we get to Canada and uh, of course we get searched and the guy opens my case. There's the pen case. My wife said, oh, he forgot to put his pen case in there. And so she took it and put it back in my suitcase after I took it because I never told her about it. Uh-huh. And, and she said, the color drained out of my face when I saw the pen case. <laughs> and then the guy, of course, the guy opened it and, and there's the joints. And, uh, and he took it to his superior and the superior called us in his office and told us I get, get out of here, you know, no big deal. So no, no, we've, uh, uh, but, but you know, the, the thing is we're being a comedian, you know, everything's fodder for the, for the act, you know? So whenever, whenever we got stopped or caught, like I got caught one time, I, I used to carry my guitar with me and, and that was when I was on my own and, uh, and I'd carry the weed at the top in the little pocket on the top. And mm-hmm. so when they searched me, they would search all the bottom, but they would never get to the very top above my head. And so I was very cocky because I could move, uh, you know, at least a, a bag of weed, you know, without no problem. And then I went to Canada one time and I forgot I had a pipe in my pocket. And so the dog right away stuck his nose on my crotch, you know, and I said, oh, shit. Just as he did that, I zipped the pipe and boom, he got me. Yeah. And so so the narcs, uh, the feds, you know, they, they, they said, well, tell us where your weed is and then we won't you know we won't have to tear everything apart you know and so i told him you know i had the weed up there and so he took my uh passport and disappeared then he come back he's okay you can go uh he says uh you were born in canada we we're going into canada i was going into canada he says you were born here so we can't keep you out of here and you have a United States passport, so they can't keep you out of the States either. And so I said, oh, that means I can bring weed anytime I want. <laughs> and then the guy goes, oh, don't do that. <clears throat> but yeah, we, we, again, you know, being a comedian, like one time I got, I had a bomb mm-hmm. and it was uh, right, I think they were starting some war, I forget, one of the Iraqi war or something like that. So high alert. And, and the guy gets on the on the thing, and he sees a bong in the X-ray, and he goes, "What's this?" I says, "It's a water pipe." Uh-huh. And uh, he says, "Water pipe? What's it for?" I says, "Man, I'm we're teaching Chong, man." <laughs> and he goes, "Oh, okay." So he phones the superior. Uh, we got a water teaching Chong. Let him go. Okay. <laughs> 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 and my wife was with me at that time and every time we get stopped she'd disappear <laughs> yeah like i'm not with this guy yeah yeah <laughs> she'd these walk people away. are yeah she'd walk away but that's hilarious you know uh i was just thinking about that being being a comedian it's I, i'm fun to live with you know because we turn everything into comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been doing cameos and I, I tell people, you know, uh, there's a, if you, if you think like a comedian, there's a joke in everything that happens. Yeah. There's humor. 
There's humor, you know. I was having a ball with Trump when he was first trying to get in, you know, doing everything. Oh, I had the most fun with Trump. Yeah. In fact, I even I even wrote a bit one time, and Cheech was a little bit. Yeah, it wasn't. You know, he never, he he didn't like to rock the boat, you know. And his dad was a cop, yeah. you know. And rather than the, join the 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 armed services during the Vietnam War, Cheech absconded. He he left for Canada. He, he moved up to Vancouver or Calgary, where I I grew up. So Cheech is uh, uh, he's still kind of straight you know mm-hmm. shit like any of the cops really. <laughs> one time we got busted for obscenity in uh in uh tampa florida and, obscenity and was, in tampa florida yep yep what what happened tampa florida uh, is an obscenity sorry I yeah, my yeah you know, the whole florida yeah. uh what happened um who was it jim morrison mm-hmm. was just there a couple of months before us and he exposed himself on 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 uh in the show yeah and so so uh <clears throat> of course he went to he got arrested went to jail <clears throat> and so they had this bond if we broke the bond uh we had to put up a five thousand the promoter had to put up a five thousand dollar bond and so if we did anything that was you know it even smelled like illegal uh they could uh, have us arrested, you know. Mm. The cops were there and everything. And so Cheech and I, we went on stage. We're doing a bit called the Dogs. You know, we're running around on our, our all fours, and and Cheech and the cops were lying in front of the stage, you know, in case the the audience attacked us or something. I don't know. They're, <laughs> you know, they're just a big show of force. Yeah. And and, uh, and Cheech. As a dog, he takes off one of the cops' hats, you know, and then he pees, thinks like he's peeing on the cop. And so, so when we finished our act, we got hustled right to jail. <laughs> we got taken to jail, and and at first we're still comic comedians, you know, we're still yeah. doing jokes. And then then they put us in a cell in the drunk tank with every all the other drunks, you know. And then it got really serious. But in the meantime, Cheech is still funny. Yeah, you know, he was still he was still in character, and so he was telling the jail to he was calling the jail the jailer. Oh, jail tendy, jail tendy, <laughs> could we have some pink toilet tissue, please? You know, acting very gay. Yeah, and yeah. then then within minutes, a jail tendy points at Cheech says, "You come with me." Oh, <laughs> and. And, and Cheech left the left the cell. Cheech is telling the cop, uh, "My dad's a cop, you know, LAPD. Yeah, my dad. My dad's a cop." <laughs> he he, he fell to out save of himself. That, well, he fell out of that jail ten D bit in the big hurry. Oh God! But no, we uh, like I say, everything's a bit. You know, even when I went to jail, you know, I had a bad. Really, maybe a bad half hour the whole time mm-hmm. before I went to jail. When I got there, because until until you're really in jail, everything is kind of like exciting, you know. Yeah. Especially if you're a comedian, you know, because you're 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 you know you're listing everything that you did. You're remembering everything, you know. So when you go on stage, you had to recreate it. You know, you can 
Right. So you're really concentrating on all that. But when I, it was at night, lights out, and we, and everybody got into their little cot, and I went from a big double bed, you know, luxury thing with a gorgeous wife, and I now I'm in this little steel cot. It's and, and I'm laying right next to a cement wall, and then I could hear them lock the door, and there's like. 200 men, you know, making men sounds, you know, mm-hmm. farting and crying and snorting and, you know, just, it was like a menagerie. And, and for a half hour, I, I, I started to panic, you know, and then, then my spirituality, my spiritual training took over and I could just, it was like, calm down. It's, it's going to be cool. The next thing I know, I'm waking up to a loud PA system saying, Garcia, report to not, uh, report to the mess hall immediately, you know, at five o'clock in the morning. And and then, but that was it. Other than that, I just, I, I, I had the best time because everything was new. I was exploring, I was exploring my feelings. You know, what's mm-hmm. a, you're locked up, you're a prisoner, right. you know? And then, then I realized, you know, there's a whole uh, civilization in prison. Yep. You know, that's that's there forever. You know, it's not going away. Right. It's there. There's people doing long time, long sentences, and it's their life, and they're your 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 neighbor. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and it was so interesting. I met so many interesting people because I I'm a real people person you know I, I like to know what do you do and, and you know all that stuff and the last thing i ever asked anybody was why are you in here yeah you know you know that because that's that's a no-no for everybody you know? they'll tell you if they want you to know sure but but uh and then, and then there i not everybody was a fan but for the most part they, they became a fan you know because they saw how I acted, you know, mm-hmm. and and what I was really, I was interested in everybody. And one time they, uh, I think what set the pace, they, they sent this transvestite over from the main prison and they wanted to embarrass her, you know, very macho, the prison. Yeah. And, and this tranny, tranny had already had a breast job. And so she had tits, but the, one of the homeliest faces you could ever see on, on any any anybody with breast you know yeah and what they did they sent her over in an orange jumpsuit you know we don't wear orange in in the camp we just have dickies you know and they and they did they wanted to out her embarrass her do all that you know and in the beginning our our people that we're we're locked down with they were kind of homophobic They, they started jumping on that bandwagon and so i went over she was in like left in the center of the yard, you know, for everybody to pick on her. And so I went over and I greeted her, you know, and how are you doing? Nice to meet you. And what's your name? You know, and, and I, and I, in other words, I accepted her. And, yeah. and when I accepted her, then everybody accepted her, you know, then it wasn't cool to be mean to the, to the tranny, you know, in fact, yeah. it was more, it was more cool to be her friend, you know? Yeah. And, and so, so that, that was the only time that I, I exhibited 
that kind of uh, leadership, as it were. Sure. You know? uh, but all the other times, man, I was just enjoying. Well, well I worked in the garden. Yeah. <laughs> and and I got hang with the Goodfellas crew, you know, the ones that they kind of ran the prison. <laughs> we had we had a, a, a di- our own dining room and we would cook our own meals, uh, we our own supper. And we would, uh, we, we, because it was in the TV room, it was like we had our own bank of TV sets, all just us, there's four of us. And uh, and Eric Larson, he's a golf caddy with uh, with uh, Harris English. Uh, he uh, he ran the garden and he did the cooking. Him and uh, uh, Mike, his buddy, and uh, we. Uh, Oh, we had this gourmet meal every night, and then Friday nights, because he he was he had been in jail so long. He, he had, and what you do when you're in prison, you you make all these connections, you know, like you do on the outside. Yeah. And and Eric had all the connections, and so we would have our own ice cream and cookies every uh, Saturday night, <laughs> and uh, that was a big treat, you know. And and Eric was very kind. He would. Uh, share it with uh, this other uh, black guy that you know a minority he was a tractor driver uh, you could, the lawn he'd cut the lawn but eric was really you know there's a hierarchy of, of in very intelligent people in, in all the prisons yeah yeah and there was a, like uh, a lot of professional athletes in there too but they're they're almost like no one knows they're in there they're doing mm-hmm. their time then they get out. No one knows they've been there. Yeah. You know that, so so it wasn't wouldn't hurt their career. And uh, yeah, it was it was it was really life changing for me. You know, yeah. to be there. Yeah. Well, when you describe that, you it, it's easy to see how somebody could get institutionalized. You know, you, what you just oh, described sure. was was a huge sense of community and uh, like it's you guys. Really- yeah. And, and and not only that, but they, everybody, you're you're somebody, yeah. You know, you're somebody, you're a number, and and it's, everybody's worried about you. You know, there's people that are worried about you. Like if you're not standing by your bunk when you get counted, then they go looking for you. Yeah. And uh, and so you you have an identity, and there's so many people. You know that. They. That's why. That's why a lot of these car chases that you see, it's just people wanting to go back to jail. Yeah. And and uh, you know, and so they'll go on. You know what they they call it the holiday, when they get released. I'm going on holiday because mm. they'll stay out, do whatever they can, and then they'll rob a bank or. or well, yeah, I'm, in places like. Uh here in the great state of Chillinois, um, I just say that so that I could plug Chillinois. Um, uh, we have people though that I know one person and it may be anecdotal, but they get out during the summer. Like you say, they consider it their leave. Once it starts getting a little cold out, you know what they do? They grab a brick, they go up to the bank, they just throw the brick through the window and stand there and wait for their ride to a warm place. Yeah. 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 That, that, you know, that, 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 don't do nothing wrong, just enough to, yeah. That basically explains uh, this the homeless solution, right? Especially in the cold area, 
cold winter. Yeah, uh, when I was a kid, you know, when I was a teenager, I, I, I started meeting these people that just got out of prison. Mm-hmm. And, and, and a lot of them never had anywhere to stay. And so, you know, we, we, we used to take in boarders. And so there was always a place to stay at our house. Right. And so that's how I got interested in prisons. Because the very first guy that was the one that gave me this tattoo, he uh, he was like one of those guys. And back yeah. then, man, the prisons were brutal. All oh, in the fifties, oh, it was. Hey, sh- show me that tattoo again. I want to be able to post it for our Instagram. It's uh, it's a white supremacy tattoo, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Which I know you enough to know that you're you're just it's like a, you just wanted well, it as I'm ink. Ju- I'm I'm going to look. Uh, for a place to put Black Lives Matter. There you go. Uh, on, you, you I know. see a little room there. I see room. Where yeah, you yeah. Put. Well, I left a space there for my uh, name, for my girlfriend's name. Yeah. But it would have been down here by then. By then. you know, I got this when I was fifteen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But anyway, he he, his name is Irwin McCann. And he was a biker. He's the kind of guy that had tattoos on all his fingers. <laughs> yeah. You know, hard luck, and he had tattoos all over all over his body and, and he, he tattooed me he only knew a couple of tattoos mm-hmm. but he but he he would tell me when he went to prison they had a silent system and the silent system was that they had a big sign that says you do not speak all the time you're in this prison you do not make a one noise with your mouth your entire stay you couldn't speak and it was called the silent system and and if you broke that law if you broke that thing they had a thing called the paddle and the and they would strap you over like you know those gymnast horses yeah and then hands on one side and feet on the other side pull your pants down and they had this cricket bat it was oh made out God. of an alloy of wood and rubber with perforated holes. Right. And they would get the biggest guy and the biggest guard in prison to give you a, as many whacks as, as you deserved, as you you got. And if you're lucky, you would pass out on the first whack. Yeah. Because it, it would it would leave you couldn't sleep on your on your back your entire time in prison whenever you got got whacked like that there. And they also for rapists or any sex crimes sure. they had the cat they had the lash which was the cat of nine tails wow and they they'd hold you up like this here you know tie you up yeah. and then how many lashes you know you got four lashes or 15 or whatever it was you got lashed but their the inmates were more afraid of the paddle than they were of the lash because the lash was a sentence that someone handed down but when you broke a law in the prison like talking mm-hmm. then you got the paddle and and that was how they kept people in line and back in, in the day you had no rights a computer in yourself forget it anything nothing you had nothing That's and crazy and these guys the and, and and when there was a hanging they would build the, the gallows in the yard and then they would have all the prisoners go into their cell be locked down and they would hang some poor sucker, and and they had a couple of hangings in that 
penitentiary. I went. I I, I performed at the penitentiary one time uh, with a band with our with a band and uh, uh, all the all the junkies. You know, it was in Vancouver. Oh no, this is not in Calgary. This is in Vancouver, but it's the same kind of prison. Uh, and, and and I I had broken my regular glasses, so I was wearing my prescription sunglasses. Yeah. And I'm sta- on stage, and no one was looking at the singer. Everybody was looking at me <laughs> because they're all junkies in there, and they all knew that. Oh, he was. Oh, he just he just shut up. He's just he's yeah, tripping. He's just high, keeping his glasses he's high on. as fuck. Yeah, I became very famous for for, for that time. Yeah. That's funny. Well, hey Tommy, we are uh we're at the top of our time. Um I okay. wanted to I wanted to ask you a quick question and I've got sure. one one question from the community. Um and if you don't have an answer on this quick question, it's totally okay. You brought it up during our last interview. Any updates on the uh you referenced maybe a Tommy uh, a Cheech and Chong uh biography that would be like uh, directed or written by your daughter, I think. Um, oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, they, they were talking September, but it's September now, so it's it's very close to uh, cool. being 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 ready. Yeah, they, you know they had to put. It's a movie. It, oh, sweet. It's a movie. So it was a biography. It was supposed to be like a bio, but uh, it turned into a, a bio movie. And so yeah, it, yeah. It, we we shot. I don't know if we. I talked to you about shooting in the desert. Did we? Uh, no, you didn't reference that. Specifically. Yeah, well, Cheech, Cheech and I uh, did some additional shooting on the desert. So, Fuck and yeah. my wife Shelby, Shelby was in it. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be good. Gonna be Hell great. yeah! Cool. Well, uh, the last question comes from community. Hey, Tommy, I've been working in the cannabis industry here in Illinois. Oh, nice for three years this month. Congratulations to that person. I started out at a local independent dispensary but it got bought out by a giant cannabis corporation at the end of 2020 there are obviously pros and cons to the changes but a big con is losing that mom and pop feel that our patients loved what are your thoughts on the phenomena in on this phenomena in the industry where bigger corporations buy out smaller local dispensaries which direction do you hope the industry goes for future cannabis entrepreneurs in the coming decades that's a good question yeah, it is. Uh, it, it's like being worried about immigration. You know, don't worry about immigration. People die every day, you know, and there's always uh, vacancies every day, every day. And so, so, and nothing remains static, you know. There will always be mom and pops, always, always, always. Uh, because why? Because that's all they can, they can handle. Yeah. And big business is just people that have gone to school and learned how to handle a lot of uh, a lot of people, a lot mm-hmm. of you know, and and so it, it's it's what do you call it? It's a diversion to to, to think on the, those lines, I see. Uh, them yeah. and us, you know. It's just like the, right now with the Republicans and the Democrats at each other, you know. It it, it it's not that. We're all the same. We're we're all in the same boat, and and, uh, and same. And don't worry about mom and pops. But you know, I, I got asked uh, again. You know about comedy and people wanting to get in the business. My suggestion, especially to the cannabis people, is 
don't just learn your job. Learn everybody's job. Don't just know about cannabis, for instance. Know about everything that goes in your body. You know, become an expert. You know, just don't be said. I mean, if you can, if you have the wherewithal and in the in the ambition, sure. you know, because that's that's how you uh, make it make a difference. You know, is that uh, yeah? You learn. It's like you know basketball. Uh, you know the ones that you can't miss. You know uh, what's his name in the Golden State. You know, uh, you know that throws Curry. Curry. Yeah. Well, well, ask Curry how he does it, and what he does, he spends that extra uh, ten thousand miles in the gym. When you see people successful like that, that means they put the hard work in. So, so if if you're in the cannabis industry, learn everything you can about cannabis. I'm I'm still learning. Everybody's still learning, and then learn about the big business. Learn how to do big business. You know, don't sit there. You know, just like oh, you know, don't be bitching about it. Become it. Right. <laughs> you know? Good point. Because that's. Yeah. That, that you know, that's the only way to do it. You know, uh, it ain't nothing to it but to do it. I love it, and that's an example of your poetry. Uh, we, uh, that's something you referenced last time. You were a poet, and you didn't even know it. You said that off the cuff. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Well, Tommy, uh, it's always a pleasure. Love to have you back on in the, in the future. It's a good time chatting with you always. Um, I thank you so much. Uh, do you have anything uh, that you want to plug? I guess I want to give you an opportunity if you have any up and coming things that you wanted to plug. Um, well, I just want to plug the uh, Chilinoy uh, podcast, you know, because uh, it's yeah. very important. It's very important that we uh, make Chilinoy uh, the podcast uh, of, of the uh, area of America, actually. And, as far as uh, plugging things, you know, we're, we're, we're on the cusp of getting our own dispensaries and they're called dispensarias, Cheech and Chong. And, and, and so we, we're on that, that cusp. It's close. We, we got one, we got a place in San Francisco. And once we do that, once we get our, once we get into the big business, which we're going to be, I, I, I want everybody, everybody in, in, in the world, you know, all the dot commers, everybody, to to get together and make me the wealthiest person in America, or actually in the world. You you guys have that ability. If everybody gives me money, and I'm the guy that has all the dough, I won't be going into space on some stupid joyride. <laughs> no, I'm going to be creating uh, mental homes. For the people that need it, I, I'm, I'm in a rehab, like a real rehab thing. I'm going to create uh, halfway houses where you don't have to throw a brick through a window to go to to survive, because uh, uh, this is what this is what we need. You know, when when the pandemic hits and all of a sudden they got more bodies and they know what to do with, they build extra hospitals, they build extra places. Well. We got people in the street right now that need a place, and it's not just a house or a thing. It's 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 medical attention, yeah. you know, people that need that have a substance abuse, 
you know, that have uh, mental problems. You know, you don't just go shit on the street uh, in front of everybody and, and be sane. You know, yeah. you are you have a problem. And Reagan closed on all the uh, uh, the mental homes, you know, to save money. And yep. all he did was create what we got now. Because back in the day, we had places for people like that. Yeah. You know, I put my aunt in a mental in- institute. And, and the first night she hated me. She was screaming at me for doing it. But after that, it was her home. She loved it. She loved the people that took care of her in that. And so, so if people buy my product and make me as wealthy as the wealthiest man in the world, that's what I'm going for. Because I know how to spend money on, 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 on our planet. See, the reason we're shut down now, it's, it's the planet protecting itself. You see, it's called crowd control. You know, and 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 so there's and and there's there's no uh, favorites here. You know, you don't know who's going to go. You, you kind of do if you don't right. wear a mask. If you don't wear a mask, you don't believe in that. Chances are you'll be one that that'll be leaving the planet, making room for people. And, and so so <clears throat> there are solutions. Right uh, to how to fix the planet, but greed is not one of them. Hoarding is not one of them. You know, when when those guys get all this money, I've got friends right now that are they're they're billionaires and they're talking about living in Vegas to save taxes. Well, taxes go to help people, mm-hmm. the homeless and everything else. So you don't want to. You're not saving taxes. If right. anything, you're creating more homeless. And, and so, you know, stay, keep your ass where you're at, pay your fair share and pay more, pay more, you know, because the rewards that this is how this is how I became what I am today. Isn't it? it wasn't because I was worried about making it. It was I was I didn't give a shit about making it. You know, all I cared about was making people laugh and making people feel good about themselves. And when you do that, the rewards are, are, are crazy so that's my message to people make me the richest guy on earth and i will show everybody how to how to do it hell yeah well that's well said man and uh i don't know you just make me feel so wholesome talking to you thank you again for your time today and uh we'll be in touch my friend we'll be in okay. touch ciao take care chill <laughs>